I want to go to Genesis chapter 28. And uh, Genesis 28 is an amazing story from an average moment. Something rare and supernatural took place. And I want to reread this amazing text. And what I want to talk to you about is that God is doing stuff in your life and you probably don't even detect it. He is mysterious in a lot of ways, and I appreciate that about him. The mystery of the gospel, great is the mystery of godliness. It's mysterious that God chose to do things the way he's done them, providing the law to Moses and stirring the prophets to foretell a rescuer that would come and redeem humanity. Not only would it impact the Jewish people, but it would spill out to all the nations and all the people groups all over the world, both genders, all ages, that sons and daughters would prophesy, old men would dream dreams. And here's Jacob, who's had great heritage. His grandparents are Abraham and Sarah. They had a baby at almost 100 years old. Jacob is going from point A to point B in verse 10 of chapter 28, Beersheba to Haran. He came to a certain place, spent the night there because the sun had set. I think that's great the way that's put. He went to bed because it was bedtime. And uh, he took a stone, placed it under his head for a pillow, and he laid down in that place, and he had a dream. Everybody say he had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set, set on earth with its top reaching to heaven. A bridge, a connector, a portal. And behold, angels of God, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. And he's also basically saying to Jacob, and I'm your God. Can I just tell you that this continues? That that God is our God? Can I tell you that that's what he's trying to imply here? He's trying to say, hey, listen, I'm the God of Abraham, and I'm the God of Isaac. Jacob, I'm your God too. And then he even talks about his descendants. He says, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. So to this day, the heritage is that they've inherited the land. And we see that in our time frame since 1948. And we see fascinating things in modern times that's emanating out of these biblical historical moments. The descendant, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I personally blessed by the heritage discovered in these pages with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm personally benefited because in John chapter 4, salvation comes through the Jews. I'm personally blessed because as a wild olive branch, a Gentile, I've been grafted to the tree by the grace of God, by the mercy of God. And I accept that and I'm grateful for it. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then God says these things to Moses. And then after Moses dies, he says these things to, Jake, to Joshua and to Caleb. And after Joshua and Caleb dies, he, he says these things to David and on and on throughout the prophets and through Jeremiah and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and all the fabulous stories of the Old Testament. By the way, Jesus commends the Old Testament because he quotes it so much. Paul told Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for training in righteousness, 
that the man or woman or child of God may be adequate, equipped, efficient for every good work. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, You are God's workmanship, and He created you in Christ for good works, which He prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. So we see the blessing on Abraham and Sarah, don't we? We see the blessing on Isaac and the, the digging of the wells and the perpetuation of the covenant. But then he has a baby called Jacob, and Jacob becomes Israel, and Israel becomes a great nation. And then God moves in such a fantastic and fascinating way. And here we are all these years later. But this guy had a dream. It was 57 years ago, a couple of days ago, that Dr. Martin Luther King had a dream. And good things came to pass through his action of faith and his desire to see people treated better. And so we see people having dreams. Old men dream dreams. Young men see visions. This guy had a dream. And he said, when he woke up in verse 16, he said, Then Jacob awoke from the, his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Can I just tell you about the walk of faith? God is certainly in this place, and you and I may not know it. There are days, weeks, months, and years where we just plod along without a lot of sensory reinforcement, but that's in fact how God's designed it. He said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. But there are occasions like this where God pops a hole through the clouds, sticks a ladder through it, puts angels on it, speaks his word over it and says, hey, listen, man, I'm about to do something different than you've ever seen. I'm about to do something that's different than you've ever known. It happened in the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. The heavens opened. A voice came out of heaven. Uh, the Holy Spirit came like a dove. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. He launched. Open heaven happened over in the upper room. I don't think they, they knew it was going to be that way. I don't think when people, John was baptizing in the Jordan, that, that before the heavens opened and those things happened, I don't think they had that kind of expectancy. I think they're just doing what they thought they should do and going where they thought they should go. Between Beersheba and Haran, he just laid down because the sun set. He grabbed a rock for a pillow. That's not very glamorous. And yet, it was. He took that stone and he flipped it up and poured oil on it and said, this is Bethel, this is a place where God just visited me, and this is a signature moment. But I want to tell you, God does signature moments. The early church started in a signature moment. When they rented the, the upper room, in compliance with what Jesus had told him to do. Luke's gospel, he also wrote the book of Acts. In Luke's gospel, Jesus opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, go into all the world and make a big difference, but don't go till you're clothed with power from on high. So then when they were all excited and yet also remorseful that Jesus had died on the cross, they had had the momentum of three years of divine activity where they interacted face to face with the Son of God, village to village, seeing miracles, people fed, sicknesses healed, people delivered from demonic oppression, families brought back together, people of all different personalities and social economic standards all coming together under one calling, getting saved, healed. And now the upper room, they're praying, and then the heavens open, and a, and a rushing mighty wind filled that particular setting. And that's inspiring because it probably didn't feel like that going into it. It might have felt just like we feel right now. It might have felt like how Jacob felt when he said, man, the Lord was in this place, and I didn't even know it. 
the Lord is on things you're doing right now, prayers you're praying, Bible you're taking in, faithfulness you're just endeavoring to walk in, and you don't even know it. The hand of the Lord is on you, but you can't feel it, you don't see it. But there will be seasons that will come, outward verification. Because we're designed not to look for signs, we'll appreciate the tokens of God's good and we'll celebrate them, but we're not governed by them. We're not overly titillated by them. We're also not overly discouraged when we don't see them because we walk by faith and not by sight. Maturity has set into your life. You're God's workmanship and he's working on you. God is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's making something great out of you because I know him to be the potter and I know you to be the clay and you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you're made in God's image. All the created beings on the earth are amazing. The, the insects and the plant life and the animals and the birds. And I mean, it's fascinating. My son-in-law planted some sunflowers and it's attracted Baltimore Orioles and it hacks off the hummingbirds. The hummingbirds come in and they're like, I, I, I did not order sunflower seeds. I want something like syrup, you know, but they at least come by, you know. So you see these beautiful animals and you see these beautiful big giant flowers that are eight feet high. You know, there's, we have a redbud tree that the snow hit it, broke it in half. We tore the branch off. We didn't have, couldn't, didn't have the heart to take the other two branches down. So now it looks like an amazing, expensive bonsai. It's just awesome. It's like it, and the branch, when it fell, it landed on our car and it didn't even dent it. So, I mean, there's just signs of wonders happening all around us. And I love redbud trees. They're beautiful. They're my favorite tree. Dogwoods are okay, but redbuds are amazing. And, and we live in the heartland. We live in a river system. We live where we have this wonderful humidity that's just so amazing. You can feel, you can feel where you live. I feel sorry for the people that have all this low humidity, arid sunshine all the time. They don't have winter. Poor people they don't even have distinction in the seasons. We get to have winter, spring, summer, and fall. The mosquitoes like it here. God has big plans for the heartland. God has big plans for church. Let me tell you, this open heaven here is exciting for Jacob. It's thrilling for the Jewish people. And it's thrilling for the Christian who understands that that God is our God. He had an open heaven over Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. He had an open heaven over the church at the beginning of her ministry in the book of Acts. And there's an open heaven when we tithe and give offerings, he said, I'll open up the windows of heaven. Pour out a blessing you cannot contain. One time people were lamenting that the heavens were brass. But I'm telling you, when we come repentant and we come before the Lord humble and we come before the Lord with confidence to the throne of grace, you know what we'll do? We'll obtain mercy and we'll find grace to help in the time of need. And this is our time. That was Jacob's time, and it's wonderful. It furnishes an example of tremendous hope for us today because God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And what he did there in his particular case, we're not looking for a ladder and angels and so forth. We're not looking for a burning bush. That was for Moses. We're not looking for literal lion's mouth shutting, although that thankfully happened for Daniel. And, it, and, and Paul used it metaphorically that it shut the mouth of the lion of uh, Nero. For, for his time, he was delivered from the lion's mouth. We in a metaphor, are delivered from that roaring lion that seeks someone to devour, but we resist him firm in our faith. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, casting all your worries, cares, and anxieties. Why? Because he cares for you affectionately and he watches over you watchfully. Satan, like the roaring lion, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, seeks someone to devour. John chapter 10, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't have time to go into this, but in John chapter 10, Jesus emphasizes that he is the door. He is the doorway. I want to talk to you about an open heaven, windows of heaven, uh, and open doors, and doors of utterance, doors that no man can shut. Opportunities are knocking. God doesn't just give you one shot and then he's done with you. He's so merciful. Do you understand? This is what he was saying to Abraham and Isaac in the succession into Jacob. He said, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac. Jacob had never heard the phrase, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We herald that now, but this was Jacob on an average night going to bed, and he says, man, the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. Did you know that's why the psalmist said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. That's why he said to take communion and do this in remembrance of him. Mm. There's something profound about not becoming a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer of the work. We're not to look at the mirror and then look away and forget what kind of people we are. In the time of Nehemiah, when he was under attack, they, they, they said, do you want to go hide out over here in the sanctuary? He stood up, threw out his chest and said, should a man like me flee? No. We need to remember who Jesus is. And we need to remember the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We need to remember what Jesus did on the cross. When he said it is finished, he destroyed the work of the devil. He implicitly fulfilled everything God wanted him to do. His meat was to do the will of the Father, and his will was to seek and save that which is lost, and to raise up a breed of people that would be thinking Christians, that would walk in the counsel of God, that would obey the word of God, that would fight the good fight of faith, and that would finish strong, hallelujah. I'm honored to serve a savior that had heaven open and God declaring, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm honored to get to follow in his steps. I'm honored to get to hear and experience this amazing blessing of God visiting a people group called the Jews and the amazing blessing on Abraham. The blessings of Abraham have come upon us. The blessing of the faith life. We walk by faith and not by sight. Read Romans chapter four. It's fantastic. Mike Harvey, minister, he said, Pastor Jeff, you're a staggernaut. I said, what's a staggernaut? I've heard of an astronaut, but what's a staggernaut? He said, you stagger not at the, prom at, at the promises of God, but you grow strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was King James in the book of Romans. Abraham, when he realized he was 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb and that he was past you know, being able to have babies, and yet God wanted him by design to birth a sacred, treasured blessing, a son, a unique birthing, a miracle. Isaac was a miracle. 
He tried to help God out and did a 50% thing with Ishmael, and that's been trouble ever since. I've tried to avoid doing things partially flesh and trying to do things with God. I want God's will to be done, don't you? Boy, that's a better way to go. And Jacob just lays there and he goes, man, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. I tell you, I think if the 120 that were in the upper room, including Mother Mary and the apostles and the early disciples, men, women, and kids that were all gathered, maybe like this, in that room praying, and then the heaven opens, a rushing mighty wind, fire distributes on their heads. They change. They're clothed with power from on high. They've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they all spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they got out on the street and it happened to be a gathering, a feast of Pentecost where Jews had gathered from all the nations and migrated back toward Jerusalem to the holy city. People from Arabia and Cappadocia and Pontus and Galatia and all these remote places. Some that spoke Greek and some that spoke so many different dialects. Most of the Jews in the upper room spoke Aramaic. Some of them spoke Hebrew. Some of them spoke Galilean. But they were limited. They spoke Greek. But then they popped out of that room and they had the miracle gift of being able to communicate the mystery of the gospel in the language of the people of their time. You talk about relevance. You talk about impartation. As they were dedicating, they received impartation. And then seasons of refreshing began to spill out into the streets of Jerusalem. These are not drunk as you suppose, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit, as was prophesied through the prophet Joel. Your sons and your daughters will, will have the Spirit of the Lord upon them, prophesying, dreaming dreams, seeing visions, cooperating with heaven. Open heaven, windows of heaven, God of heaven, citizenship of heaven, the days of heaven on earth. Days of heaven on earth. How else could it be? unless it's manifest through God's followers. We've got to get a hold of this and lift up our eyes as God had to have Jacob go to sleep. And in his sleep, he has a dream. And in his dream, he says, surely the Lord was in this place. I didn't even know it. Can I tell you, hindsight is 2020, that you're going to look back on these days and you're going to go, man, the Lord was good to me in the middle part of 2020. The Lord brought us through some stuff. Wearing masks, not being able to be in church for three months, not having Easter, not having jump. I pray for the kids that would have benefited from jump. I pray for all the, they would have been at least, I figured conservatively over 10,000 people poured into this little footprint in Chesterfield Valley. And it was not to be this year. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of the Lord stands. Nevertheless, all the seed that was sown is germinating and will grow. Paul planted, Apollos watered, God causes the growth. An open heaven over Jacob. An open heaven over Jesus and his beginning of his ministry. An open heaven in the book of Acts. And an open heaven for us today. Today, heaven is cheering us on, according to the book of Hebrews. The cloud of witnesses that we read about all the way throughout the generations. I'm extremely inspired from the continuity of history in the Old Testament. Because it says specifically in Romans, he said, the things that were written in earlier times were written for our instruction, so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So it, it's good for us to go to Genesis 28 and read about this story. 
And it may start out like, oh, this is Jacob's Ladder. And when I was a Baptist, I saw it in Sunday school. There was a coloring book, and I colored it, and there were angels. And they had wings and halos and stuff. Well, well, listen, this literally happened. It foretold a significant moment in a person's life. The book of Acts, the upper room, it literally happened. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It changed them. In my early days, in the late 60s, early 70s, God visited me. Society was crazy. Where I lived, it was really in bad social upheaval. It was in other places too. But where I lived, it was terrible. It was dysfunctional. It was, it was, it was intensified. In Southern California, people were trying real hard to get farther away from the things of God, maybe than they had in the previous uh, decades. And yet, God wasn't going to have any of that. He was, on, he was right there at the edge of the Pacific Ocean. And he just had people like Pastor Chuck Smith just go get the hippies and go baptize them in the ocean. It's happening again, in fact. God is moving in a mighty way in the nations. Listen, when Albania said in the, in the 70s and the 80s, we're a athe pure atheistic nation. We don't want anybody coming here, even from the Eastern Bloc nations. We are pure atheism. When I read about that, I got so boiling mad as a young Christian that I began to pray. I didn't even know where Albania was on the map, but God prompted me when I was alone as a teenager to pray for a nation and for a people group that I didn't even know, I wasn't even aware of to that point. But man, they were fighting words. When leadership of a nation said there will be no God here, then something prompted in my young Christian heart that caused a challenge. It provoked me to pray. And I said, I'll not have this in the name of Jesus. God, I pray you move mightily on this people group. Yeah. The last service we had an Albanian family here raised as in Islam, raised in communism, highly educated. Memli and Fatush and their daughter Vesta was here in the last service. So as I'm preaching, I look over, you know, we're socially distanced, we're wearing masks, we're trying to be respectful, we're flowing, we believe in God for healing, we're supporting one another. But my eye catches and I see those guys. I see people that have come through such harsh things and have had their lives totally changed. He was a chain smoker. He was lost. He had a Serbian neighbor say, hey, Memli, you better hide because there's going to be trouble. And she, whoever she is, wherever she is, is heroic to me. That she broke the social standards, broke the ethnic hostilities, and breached past it, built a bridge, and stood in the gap and saved that head of that household. And then you know what? Later on, Jesus saved that whole household. And Ulix, their son, was at church last week with his beautiful, vivid, blue eyes and a little girlfriend he found at school. And he's all at a Christian school. And she's godly. And he's godly. Something's happening there. Well, that might not mean much to you, but it means everything to them. Memley said to me, Pastor Jeff, if you told me I would ever smile again, I would tell you it's impossible. There was such depression where so many people had been killed. The Serbians had killed so many of those Albanians. That was terrible. The de level of depression in that town was, you could feel it. I felt that when we had that flood here. 15 years ago when we went to Katrina, I felt that there. I felt it in Southern California when I was a lost sinner and I was so aimless 
I felt so awkward. I was so dead spiritually. And I said, God, I said, God, if you're real, show me. And then God moved me to the show me state with a bunch of Missouri mules. I could do life together with you. I relate to you. I love this place. I love these people. This is where I, I was born in San Francisco, but God got me out of there and planted me here for a purpose as yet to be described. Jacob said, God was in this place and I didn't even know it. He said, I'm going to make you a nation. And he turned his name from Jacob to Israel. Jacob wasn't perfect, neither was Isaac, nor was Abraham. The only one perfect that's come along is, guess who? The Lord Jesus. And we're on this side of his work, the upper room, the open heaven. Now, let me just finish with this. In Revelation chapter 3, the Lord spoke to a church, the church of Philadelphia. And he said to them, I know your deeds, chapter 3, verse 8, and behold, I put before you an open door which no one can shut. Now listen to how he describes this church. He says, because you have a little power. They weren't big shots. And maybe at this point in their life, they hadn't had a lot of the miraculous, but they had a little power. They weren't denying the power thereof. They had a little power. And he said, and you kept my word. Just clinging to and holding to God's, God's word. And you have not denied my name. Recently, it saddened me. I was reading about a NASCAR driver who had become a Christian. And then later on, he said, you know, I don't know if I can really adhere to the faith. I listened to a daughter of a preacher who's a pop singer. And she's, I don't know if I want to raise my kids like this. It saddens me when I see people veer from fighting the good fight, keeping their course and keeping the faith. Paul said, I fought the good fight, I finished my course, and I kept the faith. It's very, very important. Abraham did, Sarah did, Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob and Rachel, and it goes on and on and on. There's a continuum. There's an anointing on what I'm saying. This is a now word. This is a season that is defined in Hebrew and in Greek. Moed or Moedim. This latter experience with Jacob was a Moedim. It was a divine moment. It was a holy timing. It was a holy timing. And then there are Kairos moments in the Greek. Kairos, it's like at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and at the proper time, he'll exalt you. Oh yeah, there are things for you to do. There are things heaven has been preparing us for. There are things you weren't really supposed to be engaged in in your younger days. There are things you weren't prepared for or ready for until now. And there are things that God is still yet preparing us for still. And as we read these things, we listen. As we see the reaction, we understand it's okay to say, man, God was in this place. I didn't even know it. Because then it demystifies the, the elements of this thing. It, it just shows you you could just let your shoulders relax. And you can settle. Even the church of Philadelphia. He said, hey, look, man, you've had a little power. You've kept my word and you've not denied my name. And because of this, he said, I've opened a door for you that no man can shut. I've opened a door for you that no man can shut. 
It reminds me of what he said to Moses. He was faithful. He said, no man shall be able to stand before you. Then when Moses died, that's the same thing God said to Joshua and Caleb. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. And then Caleb said, as my strength was then, so my strength is now. God's been with me when I got that word at 40. Now I'm 85 years old on my birthday. Hallelujah. Maybe God will give me some of these giants. The God, that, the God that anointed Caleb then, David had heard about it. And when David came along as a teenager, there was already precedence set by someone else standing on the promises of God. Here we are all these decades, all these centuries later, trying to make sense of our lives, trying to develop coping skills, trying to cooperate with God and walk in the supernatural. Great are the mysteries of godliness. And we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. And we're not allowed to be addicted to the sensational so we can then really perceive the supernatural. Listen, I'm a saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit believer who hungers and thirsts for more of him and desires the great things of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. I would love to have the, the operation of the gift of faith every time I visit somebody in the hospital. I would love to see the gift of healing operate every time I pray the prayer of faith for somebody. I'd love to operate more consistently in the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom so I'm not in the dark. But as the Spirit wills, so be it. But I will tell you what the Spirit does will. He wills that we all live right with God, get on track with God, that none of us perish, but we all come to salvation. And he wills that we get healed because the leper proved it in Matthew chapter 8 when he said, if you will, you can make me whole. Jesus stretched forth his hand, put his hand on his head during social distancing, during no touch rule because he was a leper. And Jesus went in there and laid hands on him. He got healed and he was changed from then on. And forever we now are stabilized with the awareness that that God is our God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Signs and wonders are to follow. Jacob had a ladder. He saw it. He saw heaven open and he said, man, I didn't even know it. Some of the great miracle eras of my life. I'm so proud of Dritan, Gashi, and Ina, and the church Jacoba Family Church in the sense that I look at this development of this wonderful church it took so long to develop such hard work to accomplish so much to navigate through so much to pray out so much sacrifice so much giving so much sowing so much sweat equity from our church body and now hallelujah we did a measure of that open door that happened in the eastern block the Lord privileged us with the opportunity to go into that region and raise up what is now one of these great, strong, healthy, powerful churches, pastored by such a unique and mighty man of God. But I remember the first time we went there and we got sunburned and it was thankless, it was scary, you could hear machine gun fire. We were warned about uh, landmines laid everywhere all over the place, mainly in the schoolyards. It was depressing, it was hard, it was thankless. But yet God said, on the basis of this moment, as you're sowing, you'll reap. I got up and I prophesied in the Foundaria building to a little group of tired people. And they just looked at me, exhausted, jet-lagged, burned out, sunburned. It went over like a lead balloon. 
when, when I was proclaiming what I was proclaiming to them. Eventually, on the foundation of all this work, there will be a great church. And you guys will have sown toward it. Prophetic words are so far out there that it, it takes a little while to come in and have a hallelujah. But faith shouts before the walls come down. The prodigal son, before he got accepted by and embraced by his dad and they had killed the fatted calf, he came to his senses in the pig pen where he had run away and squandered his inheritance, defamed the family name, made terrible choices, but came to his senses. God began to grant him repentance. And he said, my father's house, they treat him better as a servant than how I'm being treated here. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go. And he got up and he went. Prodigals are coming back right now. People that have been deactivated are getting reactivated right now. We're going to see people, listen, come back into the kingdom. And nudge somebody next to you. Nudge somebody if you're socially, you know, if you're quarantined together and you can touch each other. Or, or just kind of wave to the people you're not allowed to be touching. And say this with me. You're it. We're playing tag. You're tapped out. You're it. You're an ambassador for Christ. You have an open heaven over you. God's ears are inclined to your prayers. Pray big prayers. You're at the age you're at, and do not let the devil tell you you're too old for this right now. When I was 18, the devil told me I was too old to learn how to play the guitar. There were seasons in my young life as a minister where I thought I wasn't going to live through that year because the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy was lying to me. And guess what? I survived it, and here I still am. The devil's been lying to some people in here right now. You're going to live out your days. And don't even succumb to that ridiculous, mind-numbing depression. It's designed by the devil to slow you down and hinder you and get you so self-conscious instead of God-conscious. And I'm preaching anointed to tell you that God opens a door no man can shut. Colossians 4.3, Paul said this, and I, I appreciate the house of prayer that we are. There are people in here that are holding up my arms and praying for me. And we're praying for each other. And this is what it says in Colossians 4.3, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. I'm praying that this mysterious truth of the gospel goes forth in clarity into our generation. I'm praying that a door will open. Remember in Acts chapter 13 in Antioch when they gathered, a little group prayed. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. And then they laid hands on them and prayed and they sent them out. And guess what? God opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Later on, after two years, Paul came back in Acts 14, 27. And he, when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. I remember when God opened up a door to the hippie culture. I remember when God opened up a door to the Roman Catholic Church in the late 60s. Right. I remember when God opened up doors of faith to the Methodists and the Baptists and the Presbyterians and the Lutherans that were hungry for God. And God visited the formal churches and the denominational churches. God rescued kids out of cults. God got a hold of people out of broken families. God got people from the upper echelons, middle, and all the low broken places and gathered people. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. 1 Corinthians 16, 9 is such a powerful truth. 
Paul said to the Corinthians, listen, I'm going to stay in Ephesus because I'm having good results. I'll get to Corinth in a bit. He said, because a great door for effective service has opened to me and there are many adversaries. And then he said, basically, here's what you do in a news cycle like we're in right now. Here's what you do during an election year in a democracy. Here's what you do as the church. Here's what you do as an individual man, woman, or child of God. In verse 13, he said, because there's an open door, because there are adversaries, because there's opportunity, he said, be on the alert. Alert doesn't mean nervous. It doesn't mean insecure. It doesn't mean worried. It doesn't mean anxious. It just means aware. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Stand on the word. Stand on the promises of God. Speak God's word out of your mouth. Believe, therefore you speak. Speak to your mountains. Command them to be removed. Whether you feel like it or not. The Lord is in this place and you don't even know it. Get in the car while you're driving home. Just say the word out of your mouth. It may not be inspired. It may not be exciting. I'm telling you, when I was in that founderia and I was speaking to the group, it was flat as a pancake, but it was also anointed by the Holy Spirit. That dream, he woke up and said, the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it. In the book of Acts, when the upper room happened, I don't think they had any inkling of how that was going to happen until it happened. And then when it happened, it happened. And then they went out and notice they didn't try to camp out in there. They didn't print postcards from there. They didn't have a, you know, a vending machine out in the front to try to get people to replicate it again and again and again. It was a launching point. Same thing with Jacob. It wasn't like, hey, let's build three tabernacles. That's what Peter, James, and John tried to do. Peter said, hey, man, it's good we're here on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses and Elijah and Jesus, wow, let's build three tabernacles. Let's have Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus out of this. That's what humanity tries to do. God says, no, 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 no. That's a mountaintop. Now get out there in the valley and go out there and advance the kingdom. Hey, you've had a dream. Now write it down. Let people know I was not only faithful to Abraham and Sarah, also to Isaac and to uh, Rebecca, but also to Jacob and Rachel. And I'm faithful to a thousand generations. That's why I think God brought Bonky through here to just spark us with the possibility that one voice can change a continent do you realize he could have been in a lot of places in the last decade of his life? Even in the last moments of his life, he said, I want to just go back to St. Louis Family Church. I don't even have to preach. I just want to visit. Because he knew God was moving here. The Lord was in this place. We didn't even know it. The Lord's moving right now. Hallelujah. A great door of effective service. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Have backbone. Be confident, be strong. Let the weak say I am strong. Paul said, I, I'm just gonna even boast in my weakness that the strength of God will come forth. Yeah. That's really the paradox of this thing. It's like, God was in this place, I didn't even know it. Yeah. Hey, I'm strong in the Lord, I don't even feel like it. Hey, I'm prophetic and I didn't even realize it. Hey, I've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this and I didn't even understand the timing. But yet, Lord, you're perfect in your timing. You let me be alive in this moment for this time. Yeah. And so, Lord, I receive that as an individual. 
You said you'd build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I received that as a collective. I see the church in Philadelphia and the, the book of Revelation. Even the, book, even the church of Laodicea. In the 70s, a guy wrote a really mean song about the church of Laodicea and he was down on everybody for how we were lukewarm. And I remember just feeling, just crawling out of the meeting, feeling so bad. I thought Christians ought to write songs that edify. We ought to consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. I was miserable. Because the message to Laodicea was, I don't want you to be lukewarm. I'll have to spit you out of my mouth. I want you to be intentional. Either be hot or cold. The last service, I saw these guys come in. I said hi to them out of the car. And the wife had a, a sweater. And I said, uh, it's nice and warm out here. She goes, yeah, but in there. And I said, there's a wind chill factor at St. Louis Family Church. Because we turn the air conditioning on. Let's keep it cool. Got to keep the, the sermons fresh. Right? Got to keep the temperature down to keep the ser sermons fresh. But it's intentional. In the, in the winter, we turn on the heat. In the summer, we turn on the air conditioning. Christians, we're not to be room temperature, bland like everybody else. Pastor Patsy and I yesterday talked about coming against apathy, complacency, passivity. Friday night, I've been teaching about Zacchaeus, who overcame complacency and ran past the crowd and climbed the sycamore tree because he had to see Jesus. He had to see Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me because he wanted to receive his sight. The Syrophoenician woman had a daughter that had an unclean spirit, vexed by evil spirits. And she had to have a breakthrough from Jesus, even though she was a Gentile woman, outcast. The, the, the leper in Matthew chapter 8 pressed through the crowd and said, Jesus, if you will, you can make me cleansed. And he said, I will be cleansed. And he was cleansed from his leprosy. The woman with the hemorrhage pushed through the crowd. She said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to get something from God. The lady with the alabaster jar broke it and anointed his head and his feet, filled the room with the fragrance of this lavish expense of a year's wages, making a statement that I'm giving my life to the one who's given his life to us. And so here we are, 2020, focus, dedicating, receiving impartation, expecting ex uh, our seasons of refreshing. Trusting God to heal the nations. Trusting God to heal the cities. Trusting God to heal the breaches. So many years ago, the I Have a Dream speech came from a Baptist preacher on the mall in Washington. He made this statement, and it's similar to what it says in the New Testament. Dr. Martin Luther King said, everything that's seen is a shadow of the unseen. We walk by faith and not by sight. We focus on Jesus and his word. Though we've never seen him, we love him. We walk by faith, say this, I walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, can I tell you that God's got his hand on your life? He set you up, the education track you took, the decisions and the posturing you've made in the Lord, the price you've paid is all gonna make sense the dedications, the, the people you fellowship with and the people you've refrained from, the Lord has had a say on that and had, has had something to say about that. You know that God, it will take a church like this similarly to the Philadelphia church, say because you have a little power and you've kept my word and you've not denied my name, I'm opening a door for you that no man has shut. You know, I, I as a pastor hold to that. 
I don't want to grieve nor quench the Holy Spirit. You don't either. I don't want to work something up. I've learned not to follow trends because the Lord told me not to be faddish. He told me to avoid controversy. He told me to stay on the gospel since I was a young man. God has helped me by that to stay on task to preach the gospel of Jesus and believe for the nations to be reached. 